0: You're listening to episode 58 of the Mad Chatters podcast, November 4th, 2015.
1: Most everyone's mad here.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast. Your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name is Derek, and I'm joined by my fellow hosts Matthew, hello, and Jeremy.
2: Who's your friend who likes to play? Who? Bing bong, bing bong.
1: Ah. Oh, Jar Jar came to my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: No, Inside Out, as we were recording this, it is out today. And for as you listen to it, it was out yesterday. So make sure
1: and go pick up your copy of Inside Out. Or whenever you were listening to it, it was out on November 2nd. <laughs> right. Third. No, third. Third. Oh, third. Yes, today is Tuesday.
0: Well, as a member of the prestigious Disney Movie Club, I received mine in the mail on the second Monday. Ooh, I know. Wow. I was one of the first to see the new short, Riley's New Date.
2: Wow, no spoilers. Mm. I'm okay, going to okay. I'm going to pick it up at the Target here as soon as we're done recording. So
0: great, great film. If you have not seen it, make it a priority.
2: And remember Amazon Price Match or Target Price Match is Amazon, so little fun fact for the holiday season.
0: That is fun. <laughs> holiday season. We just we just had our Halloween episode last week and I feel like it is Christmas everywhere. Yep. This week. I just got home with my red cup from Starbucks. It's like, man, it that was a quick turn It
1: 24-7 Christmas on the Hallmark Channel, which <laughs> I will not be viewing until January. That's right. The Golden Girls are on their Christmas vacation, is what they said. So. Oh, my
0: gosh. That's, that's insane.
1: Yes. And it's not like good Christmas movies. It's their original Christmas movies. Like that's... Candace Cameron Burke and... Bray. Uh, that... Yes, not Burke.
2: Oh, Bray. <laughs> Whatever her name is. Yeah, right.
1: and uh, Superman. What's his name? Dean
2: Kane, Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> so funny.
2: And who was the really attractive guy on um, Desperate Housewives that all the women were googling over? I
0: don't
1: know. Sounds like more than women were googling over. I can only. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> but I'm just saying
2: he's on a lot of those movies as well.
0: Oh hey Jeremy, I meant to ask, how are you enjoying your We Love Disney album?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: how- Did you not order that? Absolutely. I mean, you just raved over it when we talked yeah. about the new preview at Disney's Hollywood Studios.
2: I just don't really care to hear Ariana Grande singing when you wish upon a star. That just doesn't appeal to me. Is she sing
0: that? Is she on uh, it? She is on it. I forget what she sings. Who's the one someone sings Zero to Hero and I'm actually really interested to hear that because I like that song a lot. I have no idea but I don't remember which artist sings it, but yeah.
2: You wish upon a star.
0: That was a it, special uh, clip for you fans <laughs> herself. sneak preview <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's go ahead and kick off this episode this week. we're gonna continue our series on animated films and their presence in Walt Disney World, and Disneyland. uh we're gonna get to that a little later. first, we're gonna have a few friendly mad chatter debates in our segment. You be the judge. <coughs> Jeremy, why don't you explain this segment to those who have never heard it before?
2: We pick a topic between two chatters, and they debate both sides of the argument, and the other chatter is the impartial judge who makes a decision based on the argument, not based on his own personal preference. At least that's how it's supposed to be in a perfect
1: world. Isn't that how all decisions are supposed to be? Hmm. Deep thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So deep, I don't really want to address it right now. So, Jeremy, how about you and I go first? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, what are we debating?
2: We are debating which animatronic is worst. Worse? Worse. No, the worst. Oh, <laughs> out of all animatronics.
0: Oh, I'm not arguing that. This is the worst.
2: Derek is going to say that the Ellen animatronic in Ellen's Energy Adventure is the worst. I am going to say that the Sigourney Weaver animatronic in Great Movie Ride is the worst. Derek, okay. go first.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's start by addressing Sigourney Weaver, her animatronic, for a second. First of all, it's at least consistent with the other animatronics in the Great Movie Ride. I enjoy that ride, but you can't really say that any of them are state of the art. Wow. Anima- animatronics like the Casablanca scene or, well, I was going to say Footlight Parade, but they don't even move anymore, which kind of proves my point even further. <laughs> so Gordon Weaver is not the the worst thing in that attraction. Also, she is in the alien segment, so if her animatronic is maybe a bit creepy in her inhuman movements, it <laughs> it, it, it fits with the horror alien sci-fi Theme of that section. It's just kind of appropriate. The creepy vibes she gives off. But now let's talk about Ellen. And why she's worse. She is clearly an afterthought. In this attraction. You have these gorgeous dinosaurs. That are just like. These amazing prehistoric creatures. That are so cool to look at. And then there's this. Very 90's. Animatronic. Of a very stiff. Stiff. Ellen with her little pointy <laughs> spear. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. Mm. Um, and it's just not working well. And it's its kind of a cool attraction looking at these dinosaurs because we don't really know for sure what dinosaurs looked like. I mean, we obviously have a good guess that have been made by these incredibly smart scientists, but we're not sure. Well, we are sure what Ellen is supposed to look like. And it ain't that. She she looks jacked up. The way she moves and her horrible 90s haircut. Um, I think she would even be embarrassed if she wrote it today. Uh, another thing I want to point out. This is a really confusing animatronic for fans of Dory in Finding Nemo. Because it's clearly Dory's voice. But coming out of this blonde lady with this ugly safari jacket. Like what's up with that? And so many kids that I know personally have been just messed up from this attraction come off just crying and it, it's it's really hard to watch um if you've ever seen that
1: that might have been because of the dinosaurs
0: no they specifically told me that it was dory's voice coming out of the weird lesbian
1: um <laughs>
0: my final argument for why ellen is the worst is because she has messed up she has messed with something that Walt himself, in a way, touched. These dinosaurs, if, you, if, if you're not aware, um, are replicas of the dinosaurs that were used in Primeval World, which was the attraction that Walt himself had a hand in adding to the 1964 World's Fair and are now in Disneyland. These are those same molds of those dinosaurs. And now you're going to throw Ellen DeGeneres in in with them why mess up something so beautiful and so majestic as these dinosaurs with a stiff animatronic of a human it just it almost ruins the attraction but not because it's still a wonderful attraction but there you go i rest my case
2: in the words of john lovitz playing michael dukakis on saturday live I can't believe I'm losing this guy. (laughs) That was the most ridiculous argument I've ever heard.
0: So you're (laughs) conceding defeat already. No,
2: no, I just can't believe I've lost you in the past. Um, But (laughs) not today, because that argument was ridiculous. Sigourney Weaver, I mean, come on, let's focus on that. First off, I took a picture of this auto animatronic today, and I went out onto the street, and 99 out of 99 people did not know that it was Sigourney Weaver. I said, who is this? And they said, I don't know. And uh, leave me alone, sir. And uh, something like that, you know, screw off. And so all these things, kind of uh, responses I got, clearly nobody knows it's Sigourney Weaver. As you come in, it's the alien ship. You're like, who is that? Is that Bruce Jenner? Kind of looks like Bruce Jenner. I don't know. Maybe. Nope, it's Sigourney Weaver. And she's in, like, a very shiny, sweaty pose. Her face is a little bloated. Um, she's doing that herky-jerky neck thing where it's like the sprinkler system of, like, a <noise> you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you know, for an audio-animatronic that is right there in the face of the public, you would think they would put a little bit more attention to the detail and make it a little more presentable. At least Ellen, as bad as Ellen is. Ellen looks good from a distance. Like, clearly, you know that's Ellen. She's wearing the 90s uh, clothing that you see in the film. I don't even think Sigourney Weaver, the, the outfit she's wearing. Who knows if she wore that in the film or not. But you saw Ellen wear that pink and blue getup that she's wearing. You see the wig. I mean, Derek made fun of the wig, but that's what her hair looked like in the 90s. She had a mullet.
0: To be fair, you know it's Ellen because the attraction is called Ellen's Energy Adventure.
2: Excuse me. I didn't interrupt you. Thank you. And uh, so, you know, clearly it's bad because it's just right there in your face. You know, I, first time I wrote it, I was like, oh, the alien. And I was like, no, that's not the alien yet. It's Sigourney Weaver. Ah! And uh, actually, I think somebody had told me it was Sigourney Weaver because I had mm-hmm. no idea. It was it was um, scary. So Sigourney Weaver's the worst because it's right there in your face. It's herky jerky. It doesn't even look like her. It looks like Sigourney Weaver stung by about a hundred bees.
1: Bloated. Well, it was a snooze fest of a debate, I think. <laughs> but I'm going to side with uh, I'm going to side with Derek, <gasps> simply because I mean, there we go. His argument was uh, a little more well founded. There were more. Let's just say there were. There were half more points.
2: Nothing to, half of it had nothing to do with the <laughs> animatronic. It was Ellen in...
1: Hey, look. In when y'all announced replica. that y'all would be debating these things, I honestly was torn. Per- preferentially, I couldn't choose between the two. But uh, the the argument from, from his side, especially via the original beauty of that attraction being stained by a pop culture reference mm-hmm. is what... Which has
2: nothing to do with being a bad animatronic.
0: It, it's definitely, it, it definitely it plays a factor, Jeremy, <laughs> and, and I think you need to calm not. down and be a good sport about this whole thing, <laughs> or we're not going to be able to do this segment anymore.
1: This is why we can't do nice things. <laughs> Jeremy always gets angry at everyone. It's just my Al Pacino
2: <sighs> now from Injustice for All. If you haven't seen that movie, watch it. It's so good. Anyways.
1: Okay, Okay, Jeremy, <laughs> I'm going to make you argue again. Oh, all right. Uh, and we're going to present our argument, or our debate. Kick me
2: while I'm down. Kick me while I'm down. We're going to,
1: well, if you lose, you know. Yeah, he's also giving you a chance to redeem yourself. Yeah. So, um, for Derek, we're going to debate which nighttime event entertainment spectacular is better, phantasmic or wishes.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought you were gonna say "World of Color" for a second, and I'm like, "Oh, bless the poor soul who has got that one."
1: I will be defending. Fant- whoop! Sorry, <laughs> I will be defending. You need to calm down, sir. <laughs> it's well, yeah. I'll be defending Fantasmic as uh, the better nighttime entertainment option between the two, and and Jeremy will be defending Wishes. And since Jeremy just argued, and I'm better, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna present <laughs> mine first. <laughs> Jerk. Fantasmic as the best nighttime entertainment option between that and Wishes. Let's just think for a minute that all of the uh, nighttime entertainment options, uh, between Wishes and fantastic. let's just keep it between those, because that's what we're arguing about here. Wishes is a fireworks spectacular. It is a beautiful show with fireworks. There are some castle projections, not in the, the... you know, the environmental projection thing, but there are some things that happen on the castle, some lighting changes and things, but by and large, it's just a fireworks show. And I don't mean that to demean the fireworks show, but compare that to phantasmic in which you have fireworks, a lot of pyrotechnic effects, a whole lake that turns into fire. Um, you have massive puppets like the dragon and the, uh, the, the cobra that Jafar turns into and the flower at the beginning. And then that whole just can't wait to be king sequence with all the 3D looking animals and the black lights. You have barges with monkeys and the princess medley. And then you have the steamboat Willie at the end with all the live action characters. Not to mention the whole live action action sequence in the middle from Pocahontas with stunts and more fire effects. Then you have water screens and water jets and water fountains. And then Mickey Mouse at the end, standing on top of the mountain, directing all of it. It's just, beyond Wishes, it is a Disney spectacular that you have to see to believe. So, Fantasmic is better than Wishes.
2: Derek, I want you to think about when you were a child. I want you to go to that special place when you were just a kid, and you were watching a Disney film. And you put the VHS in the VCR, (laughs) and that iconic picture of a castle with when you wish upon a star plane and the firework coming over it. That is the picture that is burned into our souls. That think really that's supposed
1: to be Tinkerbell
2: that makes us Disney fans. You get that every night with wishes every night. There is that iconic castle With Tinkerbell flying and the fireworks going off over it, and When You Wish Upon a Star playing. If that is not nostalgic, if that is not just rip at your heartstrings as a Disney fan, I don't know what does. Is Phantasmic great? Sure. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But Wishes just has that special, special way of speaking to you as a six-year-old child. Beautiful fireworks beautiful music beautiful everything projections it's just beautiful and that scene when the blue fairy says or when jiminy cricket says <laughs> it's the blue fairy i mean goosebumps on the back of your neck you don't get goosebumps at phantasmic i mean it's nice but no goosebumps no nostalgic goosebumps pop up on your neck only at wishes do you get that special part of you tingled and touched.
1: Anderson, can I respond since I was brought up?
2: <laughs> You're out of order! You're <laughs> out of order! This whole court's out of order!
1: <laughs> uh, I get goosebumps when Mickey appears on top of the mountain, and everyone always claps at that point. That doesn't happen in Wishes. I
2: go back to the film. There's no mountain with Mickey on top, wet plays when you wish upon a star. Nope. Okay. In the film, it's a castle. Only with
1: Wishes do you get a castle. It all started with a mouse. It all started with a castle.
0: <laughs> Are we finished? We're finished. I know that you were leaving certain things out for your debate, Jeremy, but I'm willing to bet $1 million you got goosebumps the first time you heard that princess medley. <laughs> in fantastic. Mm.
2: I'm sorry, is that a question? I don't understand. <laughs> Are we being uh, interrogated here?
0: Okay. Um. I. I did my best to be impartial. I enjoy Fantasmic a little bit more than Wishes. They're both wonderful, really. I I am going to have to give it to Matt, because your argument, Jeremy, relied heavily on nostalgia, which is great, but it didn't say a lot about why the thing itself is good. Secondly, Matt made me forget that I don't like Pocahontas because he just talked about what a great stunt spectacular it is. And I will give him that. There are a lot of stunts. And thirdly, I, I honestly don't remember. So you're going to have to tell me, are there projections in Wishes? Yeah. Oh. Minimal. Okay.
1: They're not the ultra HD environmental ones like Celebrate the Magic. Right, right. They're like, just like lighted stencil looking things.
0: Okay. I just do not remember that. But anyway, so Matthew wins this one.
2: Yay. Yay. I hate this segment.
0: <laughs> well, should we just move on or can Matt and I debate?
2: No, uh, since you both are on my short list now, let's hear this. This ought to be good.
0: Okay, This will be good. We are debating of the original attractions at Magic Kingdom. If you had to get rid of one, which one is more disposable? Mm. Is it, as I'm going to argue, the Swiss Family Treehouse, or as Matt is going to argue,
1: the Country Bear Jamboree?
0: Mm. All right. Shall I go first?
1: You can cuz I just got I'm I'm a little tired right now. Okay.
0: That that phantasmic <laughs> debate took it out of you.
1: I'm emotionally spent.
0: <laughs> I think the first thing I need to do when saying that the Swiss Family Treehouse is disposable is asking you how many times do you visit the Magic Kingdom without stepping a single foot inside the Swiss Family Treehouse and I'm willing to bet it's a lot. It's a large percentage of the times you go there. The fact is, it's just not that popular of an attraction. And I think I could rest my case right there, but I'm not going to because there are several other points I'd like to make. First of all, this is a treehouse with zero elements of interactivity. Like, you can't raise buckets and send messages down to your friends below. You can't play the piano that's in the room with the polka music playing. You can't do other things that one would normally do in a treehouse, like light coconut bombs. I mean, that seems like a safe thing that you could do at Magic Kingdom, and they don't even allow you to do that. There are no animals to look at or anything like that. It's just a treehouse that you basically walk up the stairs, get sweaty, and then have to come back down the stairs. I will give it to you that it is a beautiful attraction to look at. I think it really creates a cool environment for Adventureland. But... Think of what Imagineers can do nowadays. Like, they could build anything in that space and make it look just as beautiful, if not more beautiful. Look at Expedition Everest. Look at the rock work in Cars Land. Look at the concept art for Avatar with the hanging, floating mountains coming. You could do anything and make it keep that adventure feel, but make it more of an attraction and less of a walkthrough. Another thing I'm going to argue is that Adventureland has not had anything new since the Magic Carpets... And it hasn't had anything new worthwhile, I mean, in decades. Let's give that land, which is, in my opinion, the best-themed land in all of Magic Kingdom, let's give it what it deserves, something it deserves, something really good that's going to be a people-eater and is going to be maybe even e-ticket like Indiana Jones over in in Disneyland's Adventureland, or maybe not, just something that people want to go to and are interested in seeing and aren't going to say, Swiss family treehouse what movie is that from? I don't know. Another argument I want to make is that the Country Bear Jamboree is not in Disneyland anymore. This is our only chance to see it in the United States. If you get rid of it, that's it. No more Country Bear Jamboree. You're going to be stuck watching really low-fi videos, low, excuse me, low resolution videos on YouTube. And that's that's just not enough. Whereas Swiss family treehouse, you will always have those pictures and really what more do you need besides pictures? Uh, the last argument I would like to make is that they tried at Disneyland to make this updated for a new generation. They changed it to Tarzan's Treehouse, and still no one was just really all that interested in it. So I think that proves that maybe it's just it's just time for it to go. As As beautiful as it is and as nostalgic as it is for some people, I think it's just the right time. The end.
1: I will not be arguing that the Swiss Family Treehouse does not need to go. I will be arguing, mainly from a real estate perspective, that the Country Bear Jamboree needs to go more. Okay, so I will not be defending the Swiss Family Treehouse as needing to stay because it does need to go. But when we think of <laughs> when we think of the Country Bear Jamboree, we have uh, obviously many fond stories of Walt uh, planning and designing. Um, this attraction with uh, folks like Xavier... Nope, not Xavier Atencio. Um, who's the other guy? Who's the guy that was drawing the bear? Al. Dangum! Walt Disney worked on this with many Imagineers. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, some of which told the story that Walt had his last laugh with the Country Bear Jamboree. With that being said, and its, it's fondness and those memories and nostalgia that it bears in mind... It is uh, only a shadow of what it once was. The past time when I experienced the Country Bear Jamboree, what I saw was akin to visiting um, a nursing home <laughs> in which dwelt former stars of, you know, movies or whatever. And they were just a shadow of what they once were, looking in the mirror and, and pretending to say their lines and forgetting where they were. and
2: Like Branson, like Missouri.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, it is just a shadow. And leaving it in such a state, the Country Bear Jamboree, where it's just... And the last time I saw also, um, one of the the animatronic figurines was was leaking some sort of fluid from his right hand uh, as he was singing the last number. And that was a little depressing to see. Much like you would see at a nursing home. Uh, People leaking. Uh, So this attraction... (laughs) <laughs> with fond memories and nostalgia, should be honored by being laid to rest. It should be let to go uh, with pictures and videos to remind us, obvious n- head nods throughout Walt Disney World Frontierland attractions. But think of what could go into such a place. Maybe it's an expansion of the Pecos Bill Cafe or a whole new theater experience. Who knows? But the real estate there between or an expansion from the Adventureland side that creeps into that side. But you don't know it because it's just a storefront on the Frontierland side. Think of all the wonderful possibilities for new attractions that a whole new show building would open up, while at the same time letting a legend die in peace. Rest in my case.
2: Wow. Um, very depressing on both sides. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh boy, Uh, this is actually way more difficult than I thought it was going to be because I thought you both, as much as I disagree with both arguments, I thought you both presented your arguments very well. However, I think Matt did a better job of giving reasons why the attraction is failing (laughs) with leaking fluid. Uh, Derek's just seemed to Uh, be. Swiss Family
0: Treehouse, let me tell you how it's leaking.
2: um, Like when it rains. Derek's complaints against Swiss Family Treehouse are more of a commentary on the current generation than on the attraction itself. Just because people don't like to look at things and they feel they have to touch everything is not a good enough reason for an attraction to go away. Hmm. And I did something about coconut bombs. I didn't understand that either, (laughs) but, um, But Matt presented at least enough an argument to say it's the attraction that is dying, not the general public's intelligence that is dying. So I'm going to give it to Matt,
1: even though both better stay. Amazing. Amazing because you just pulled it out of your rear end. (laughs) Here's what I think happens in these debates is that you get mad at Derek (laughs) for not choosing you and Derek gets mad at you for not choosing him. And so I'm just like the default winner. I'm not mad at all right now. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad because I won.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did win both. Well done.
2: Matt won two. Derek was one for one. And I was 0 for two. So, oh. yippy skippy.
0: Seems like my mind has
1: been changed for me. <laughs>
0: oh, no. nice ruling. Which leads us into our next segment. Take five. Matt, what's take five?
1: Take five is when we pick, wait, do we pick five things? No, Or it just, happen it just to be
0: happened to be this time.
1: Okay, we pick uh, just general experiences from around Walt Disney World, be they shows, parades, nighttime, spectaculars, or uh, other ride type attractions. And we describe them in our own way using only five words.
0: All right, well, go ahead, Jeremy. What's the first one?
1: first one is those hot dogs that
2: we talked about last week um gourmet gourmet hot dogs excuse me at grand floridian with all the weird toppings yes so i'll go first five words about those gourmet hot dogs served with michelle obama tears mm. yeah. just right there on the side a little shot of her tears
1: does that make them better Depends on your leanings, policy, I Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As does my answer. My five words for the new hot dogs at the Gasparilla Island Grill more awkward wieners than June.
0: Wait, I don't get it. If
1: you just Google wieners, Disney, and June, I guarantee you, you'll you find the answer.
2: <laughs> it's a Gay Days reference.
0: Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh okay i said these are so all-star sports
1: now that's true
0: they really are it's like they would fit perfectly there
1: well now they just released like a whole gourmet burger thing for pop century this week and i thought well that's about the same thing does yeah. it
2: have Pop-Tarts on it? Because I feel like everything coming out of Pop Century <laughs> lately has Pop-Tarts.
1: In one mind, I didn't actually read about it. <laughs>
2: There's like the Pop-Tart breakfast sandwich. Now they have the Pop-Tart. Um... Sunday. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's
2: like, it's just... who? I, I'm picturing somebody in the kitchen ordered way too many Pop-Tarts and they're like, we <laughs> yeah. got to get rid of them
1: somehow.
0: Pa- is that one of the gourmet hamburgers, a burger in between two Pop-Tarts?
1: It, it well, just a Pop-Tart on the burger, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the rules. mm no rules.
2: Oh. All right. Next thing is the Osborne family uh, spectacle of dancing lights, which is going away after this holiday mm-hmm.
1: season.
0: All right. I said, who let Clark Griswold
1: decorate? <laughs> That's good. He uses lots of light. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Okay. <clears throat> My neighbors are redneck millionaires.
2: They did come from Arkansas. That is true. Okay. All right. My five words are my reaction when I see the Osborne family Chris, Christmas spectacular, whatever they are. Red... <laughs> okay. Ooh, pretty. Okay, let's go. <laughs> 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 I believe that. Just not a big fan of the, the lights
1: yeah that's right. why i was referencing the redneck neighbors because its you can see this in your neighborhood not to the same extent but everything covered in christmas lights and synchronized to the trans-siberian orchestra is every trailer park's dream
0: i was gonna say you have the fanciest redneck neighbors
1: i've ever met they will hey listen they'll spend all their food stamps on christmas lights oh. all right next up before we get any more offensive
2: <laughs> um, The Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. I'll go first. Best attraction to get freaky.
0: Is this personal experience talking?
2: Uh, I have never, no, I have never uh, at all. But uh, every time I go into that, um, (laughs) just in general, never at all. Uh, (laughs) But every time I go through that Space Mountain part, you know, you're in the dark for like a good five minutes there, and I'm like, I bet you, Grad Night or uh, mm. Joy of Nights or whatever, or Night of Joy, <laughs> um, the dis- Night of Joy, Night of Joy. I bet you this is like, hey baby, you want to go ride the People Mover? It's got tunnels. It's got it's a tunnel of love. Nothing sets the mood like tunnels. And people screaming on Space Mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hides so. the
0: sound. I said a preview of Heaven's Highways. Mm. Oh.
1: So we're going to get freaky on Heaven's Highways, all right? <laughs>
0: Apparently. Well, if you combine my answer with yours, <laughs> yeah. These answers
1: are not to be mixed. Smarland <laughs> <laughs> Transit Authority in five words the future of moving slowly.
0: <laughs> but it's so wonderful. And in
1: circles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Next.
1: Uh, uh, our next is... Can I introduce it? Sure. Actually, I don't know what it is. I have my answer written down. <laughs> I have my answer written down here. Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, like an old pro wrestler. Is there a- <laughs> I thought the punchline was a punch? coming. I, I feel so bad that all my answers are always like this. It's like... Hmm.
0: It's like you're like the Fraser of this segment. You have to you have to be smart to get it.
1: Think about old pro wrestlers, Ric Flair, so on. They make flashy entrances with the fireworks and all the stuff, but you don't want to see them take their shirts off. <laughs> so, the Main Street Electrical Parade creates a flashy show, but when it comes down, you're more or less like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you a little bit, yeah." It's a mixture of pity and disgust.
2: All right, my five words. Your mom's a broke hoedown.
0: <laughs> uh, I was uh, going to do something with broke hoedown, but <laughs> I couldn't. Oh, that's funny. I said, even Uncle Sam says excessive. Because <laughs> uh, someone vomited America all over the end of that parade.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, That's when they ran out of ideas. America. And money. <laughs> yes.
2: All right. Um, the last one. Shelly May, the Disney Bear. If you're not familiar, Duffy the Biz- the Disney Bear has left Epcot, and his void has been filled by Shelly May, the Disney Bear, who looks suspiciously like Duffy with eyelashes.
0: It's his girlfriend, right? Uh,
2: that's what the the story they're trying to sell.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. Good.
2: I, my five words are Duffy, the transitioning Disney Bear. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> oh. My gosh. Ho, 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 ho. Oh, live your truth, Duffy.
2: (laughs) Call me, call me Shelley May. (laughs) That's
1: why he had to go. He had to have the operation.
0: (laughs) I said, "Girlfriend." Oh, not those bears. (laughs) Great.
2: Two for two on the gay jokes tonight, guys. Good job.
0: (laughs) That's why I asked girlfriend because it wouldn't work if that wasn't the case. Yes, my other well, I'll wait for Matt.
1: Mine is very simple. At least someone loves Duffy.
0: Aww, yeah, yeah. My other if 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 she wasn't the girlfriend, my answer was just going to be because Duffy was so popular. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like did we need a replacement?
2: I just picturing like they had again. The same thing with the Pop Tarts. Somebody ordered way too many Duffy Teddy Bears, and they're like, "How are we going to get rid of these?" I did not
1: know. Put some eyelashes. So she's meeting and greeting there now. No, I think it's just merchandise. Just merchandise. Because I thought Daisy was there. Yeah, Daisy, but it's just merch. Just
0: merchandise. See, as far as I know, Duffy and Shelly May both are super popular in Tokyo, and it's like, stop trying to make him happen over here. It's not going to happen. People in America do not care.
1: Yeah. Yeah, speaking of this, um, well, that's a social commentary that can wait for another day. Ooh,
0: great tease. We'll be on Mm. our
2: toes waiting for that one.
0: several months, we've been doing this series on animated films of the Walt Disney Animation Studios and where you can find them in the parks. We've been going decade by decade. We've almost reached the end of this series, which is kind of hard to believe. But this week, we venture into the 2000s. And believe it or not, there are 11 movies that were released in the 2000s. But if you were looking at Walt Disney World and Disneyland, you would never guess that because they're not around very much there you can't really find representations of them in the parks but we're going to talk a little bit about that and maybe you guys have an answer as to why because i personally do not but should we go ahead and get started yes okay i'm so excited about these movies (laughs) i like audience participation so thank you okay the first movie was released in 2000 and it is dinosaur yay yay (laughs)
2: Interesting thing about this movie, Disney did not really recognize this movie as a part of their canon until, like, years after. Like, it was always, like, its own separate studio kind of a thing. Mm. Like, it, like the same, remember there was The Wild they released, which was, like, exactly like Madagascar? Yeah.
0: That's Except, Disney?
2: Yeah. Yep. Except oh. it. it was like a computer computer generated from another company. So Dinosaur was along the same vein. And then one day they just accepted like, yeah, it's part of feature animation. And they just kind Sorry. of s- Sorry swallowed did it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was telling Derek, isn't it sad that really out of all the films of 2000, this one has the biggest representation in the parks? Yes. A whole
1: attraction.
2: They changed the entire attraction, which is now known as Dinosaur. To this film, the dinosaur that's out front, the dinosaur that you're sent back in time to get is from now the attraction.
1: Now, the attraction uh the dinosaur that you're sent back in time to retrieve, even in the pre-show, was always that dinosaur. Oh, the, was iguanodon. It? Okay. Yeah. the iguanodon. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought they might have thought it was going to be bigger than it was.
2: Yeah. But in the fountain out front, when it was countdown to extinction. Yeah, it was different. Was a triceratops or yeah. something or a, that looks like a, stegosaurus, a triceratops. Maybe. Styracosaurus. Oh, sure. Wow. Good. good. A plus uh, but
0: you now mean. it is Aladar from the film. From the yes. film. Yeah.
2: Which it's so weird because I just find this movie eerie. The way that they put like the human eyes on the dinosaurs, it's just weird to me. It just gives me the creeps.
0: I have never seen this. How do you guys feel about the movie? Eh. <laughs> so you've seen it.
1: I've never seen it. I've watched never it. I've watched it. It's, I thought it looked interesting when it came out, but I, I never, um, never watched it myself. No. You could tell this was
2: a time when they were hoping that the fact that it was CGI was going to cover a lot of the mistakes in the story. Mm. Where it's like, ooh, look how cool this looks! You know, like still jumping on that kind of early Pixar wave. But the story is just very flawed, it's very boring, it drags, and just those weird human eyes on the dinosaurs, I can't get past those. It creeps Mm. me out too much. I never
1: liked it, just looking at it, I never liked the way the animation looked. And we had talked about this with um, The Good Dinosaur, how they specifically went with a a cartoony look for a lot of it, you know, set on like a real landscape, because the dinosaur thing was just like, why would you do this? You know, there's Jurassic Park and movies that have done this well, why would you... CG something that doesn't need it. Shout out to
2: the person who tweeted, by the way, I forget who it was, that that they thought there was some, something ironic about the fact that Pixar is calling the new film the good dinosaur yeah,
1: as compared as to, to the, <laughs> the bad dinosaur.
0: <laughs> I do want to see it. It wasn't on Netflix, so I couldn't uh, watch it with all the other 2000s films I binge-watched this weekend. Um, but I, I do hope to see it eventually. I do appreciate that, even though it does have a tie-in with the ride, it's not overwhelming. Like, it's still an enjoyable attraction, even if that weren't a part of it. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it doesn't take over the ride.
2: Yeah, you can still ride Dinosaur and not know that it's tied to the film in any yeah, way at all. Exactly. And I, mean, I think Disney definitely did a good job of recognizing You know, this film isn't happening. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. Stop trying to make
1: Dinosaur happen. It's not, so they just let it go. Yeah, yeah. Well, they Uh, should have turned it back to Countdown to Extinction.
0: Now, I know Countdown to Extinction, when it became Dinosaur, like, it became a little bit less intense, like, the way the vehicle moved. And I know even the soundtrack, like, became not quite as loud and in your ears, kind of. Uh, Do you think it was because there was this movie tie-in, and they knew it would draw more children now, or was it just in general, they decided to go that route.
1: Maybe. See, I honestly don't remember any of that happening, but I didn't have, like, a photographic memory between 1998 and 2000 or whatever, yeah. so I don't <laughs> really remember changes. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure if that, if that was the reason, or if that's what happened, then that was the reason.
0: It kind of makes sense. Like, if kids loved that movie for some reason and then went to Animal Kingdom, you want to give them a ride that's not going to terrify them to their inner core.
1: Well, it still will, so... <laughs>
0: Well, it is pretty, I I will say, to me, it's still one of the most terrifying attractions at Walt Disney World, for sure. It is
2: intense. It definitely will get your heart racing, and, you know, just with the noise alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's
0: true. That's true. Um, well, let's go into our next film, which was also released in 2000. They really cranked them out this decade, um, for better or for worse, and this one was The Emperor's New Group, one of my personal favorites, simply because of the wit and the sarcasm the dry humor that is throughout. I enjoy this one a lot.
2: Absolutely. Definitely an underappreciated film by a lot of people, but I've never met anyone that's seen it and did not enjoy it. Yep. Which is totally interesting because the film, when it was first being made, this is coming off the heels of like Tarzan and, uh, and, um, well later brother bear. So they were doing this where they were hiring, um, like Phil Collins to come and do the music for the whole film, so they hired Sting to do the music for this uh, film. Uh, the original title was um, ba, 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 ba,
0: ba. "My Funny Friend and Me."
2: No, that was the song. Oh. It was like the 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 Empire of the Sun or the Kingdom of the Sun. Kingdom oh, of the, the
0: Sun. Oh, the the movie itself that was the
2: movie itself, oh. and it was supposed to be a lot more. Uh, not, it didn't have sarcasm. It was more on the lines of like a hunchback of Notre Dame, a big epic story. Um, and there's a great documentary out there that Disney does not want you to see called The Sweatbox. And mm. it was floating around on YouTube there for a while. But it's the whole process of Sting writing this music and the story and then the whole story changing and him finding out his music is not really going to be featured in it except for like one song. And so it really was kind of a disaster of a movie there for many, many years but ultimately it came out as The Emperor's New Groove And like 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 I like you said Very good movie, enjoyable movie A lot of sarcasm, a lot of good humor
0: mm-hmm. David Spade
2: And the first time that we have John Goodman, who really becomes Mr. Disney and Mr. Disney Pixar During the 2000s Appearing
0: yeah.
1: in four films
0: so. Interesting, yeah
1: You said David Spade, I kept saying David Hyde Pierce In my head <laughs> that oh. was not- Now he's David in Spade. Treasure Planet
0: but- Right, right um now as far as parks go, I know there's nothing now other than the voice of Kronk also being the host of Soren. But Yes, yeah.
2: every time I ride Soren, it is not Patrick Warburton, Warburton yeah. It, it is Kronk. That yeah,
0: is a yeah. I, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I know there's nothing now, but was there anything like when this first came out? Like, a lot of these films, when they first came out, even today, they'll do that meet and greet for a limited time, you know? Like, uh-huh. I've seen pictures of Meet the Robinsons and characters like that who showed up for the months around the film to, to promote it. And I feel like I've seen pictures of, um, I can't even think Cusco. of his Kuzco and maybe even Kronk and Yzma.
2: Yeah, they there has been pictures. They were character meet and greets. And I think, didn't they, Matt, have like a little pre-parade as well?
1: I don't remember. I Probably think they, so.
2: Yeah. That
0: seems like an easy thing they do nowadays.
2: Yeah, but beyond that, I don't think there's ever been
1: anything. There's to, not even a llama at the Animal Kingdom.
0: Right. Like, like why? To if my you, knowledge. <laughs> if you have the costumes, why not bring them out once a year or something?
1: Exactly. I, I
0: don't get it.
2: But see, uh, this seems like the perfect fit. You could put Emperor's New Groove, you could put it in Hollywood Studios. Do something fun there. You could put this in Epcot. Because it's South America, and that's, you know, underappreciated in the World Showcase. So, you know, you could have a Peru in in um, the in the World Showcase. Or it could go at Animal Kingdom, as you said, because you have llamas. So you could do a little South America section of Animal Kingdom with some llamas there.
0: Kronk is a fan. Kronk. Kronk.
2: K-R-O-N-K. Not Kronk.
0: Not get Kronk. Let's get Kronk. Kronk is a fan favorite. I mean, they made a, a sequel with him yeah. as a main character. I feel like he should definitely be a meet and greet character more often than he is.
2: And this even spun a TV show, which That's I right. thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, Emperor's New School, so yeah. funny, so good. Huh.
0: Well, I mean, at least he's still around, just maybe not so much at the parks.
2: K U Z C O Cusco Cusco Let's go.
0: Did you just make that up or it's on the No,
2: that's from the <laughs> First <Emperor's> New
0: School. <laughs> I assumed. Um, but speaking of not really around at the parks, let's get to the next film, which was released in 2001, and it is uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, starring Michael J. Fox.
2: You just watched this for the first time, Derek. I want to know your genuine feelings about it.
0: I did not love it. <laughs> I watched... Three movies this weekend from this decade: Atlantis, oh Treasure Planet, and Brother Bear. Because That's I'd depressing. never seen any of them, and they are all on Netflix. And I could have gone another decade without watching these. To be honest, they are—they're not the best I of all Disney films.
1: Like this movie because of its clear nods <laughs> to uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I mean, just obvious Jules Verne type references. Just the way the things look, the steampunk stuff going on, I like that a lot. I like John Mahoney as the uh, little old guy, the rich guy, Yeah, another guy from Fraser. And um, I think I – mean, I don't like a lot of the storyline once they actually get to Atlantis with the weird people and all that stuff, but – the getting there and all the vehicles and the underwater stuff, it could have been something really, really good. It's still nice to look at. That's about what makes it enjoyable for me. It's just because it's nice to watch.
0: See, I don't love the animation. So much of it, as I was watching, just reminded me of a typical Saturday morning cartoon. It didn't feel like state-of-the-art Disney beautiful animation yeah, to me. Yeah, the one
1: little dirty grubby girl. What's her name? Uh, the little, um, Mole? What is? No, The girl. <laughs> the girl. Um, I
0: don't remember, right? The, the mechanic one?
1: She looks like she's right off of recess, so. Totally.
0: (laughs) Yes, she does.
1: I get that. It's the blocky, uh, sketchy almost type.
0: Yeah. I just wasn't impressed. And also, there were so many subtitles in the first 10 minutes. I'm like, I thought this was for children. What the heck, (laughs) this They have to read the whole movie. But anyway, let's get back to the parks. I mean, there's nothing. Am I right? No. This movie died the moment it was released, I feel like. Mm.
2: Yeah. Which is sad because it really has some good voice talent as well, like Michael J. Fox and Leonard Nimoy. And who's the villain? Uh, James Garner?
0: Yes. That's right, yeah.
2: You know, it's not like it was, like, President Douglas. uh, (laughs) My fellow Americans (laughs) reference, yes. Yeah. Um, You know, so, I, I don't know, you know, I'm sure there is a pocket of Atlantis- fans out there and at least enough it spawned a direct-to-dvd sequel yeah it did what? milo's adventure or something uh, like
1: that that's right that was atlantis milo something hey the but look Empire. when did um, when did tokyo disney see open
0: Ooh, uh, i think 2000 because i know 2001 because i think they're celebrating their 15th year next year
1: well they have a you know the whole section dedicated to jules verne type stuff, not saying it was inspired by Atlantis, but that whole feel was, uh, I don't know if it was popular then or what, but um, Hmm. I don't even know what to call it except the Jules Verne science fiction type mechanical stuff.
2: Yeah, that sort of steampunk uh, kind of feel, Journey to the Center of the Earth and all that. Yeah, Atlantis is definitely one of those things that it's sad the movie did not do better and was not better because it's one of those universes that really would work well and be cool in a theme park. I think you could do, like, as we're getting Pandora, you could have gotten an Atlantis section at Animal Kingdom had it been better.
0: Interesting, yeah. Um, Well, in 2002, Disney released arguably the first film of the decade that would have a lasting fan base and would really have people gravitating towards it, and that was Lilo and Stitch. Now, obviously, we know this has a presence in the park because Stitch got his own attraction... Possibly the worst in all of Walt Disney World. Definitely (laughs) on a lot of people's top five lists of worst attractions at Walt Disney World. Simply because it just, it doesn't really work. It's, you can barely call it an attraction.
2: It's really sad because Stitch came out as like the anti-Disney movie, you know? Because remember the original teasers, how it was like classic Disney films like Cinderella and like a Jasmine and Aladdin, and then Stitch pops up and like ruins the, the, the scene. And so when I first saw that, I was like, wow, this is, this could be good because this was, came out when I was a, a teenager. Uh, but what year did you say? 2003, two, 2002. So I would have been 16, 17 and not Too really old. <laughs> not really a Disney fan at that stage in my life. But I still remember seeing these commercials and be like, oh, I, I, I like that movie. That looks fun. It looks sarcastic kind of a feel. Um, so I think Stitch has appeal. People like Stitch. And they like the film. The film's not a terrible film. But the attraction is so atrocious that it turns me off Well, Lilo and Stitch in general.
1: I don't remember if it was the year that it came out or shortly thereafter when people started to latch on to Stitch and like him. But n- merchandise overran every park and if you recall um the monorail spiel itself around the magic kingdom was interrupted by stitch it, they had the castle draped in toilet paper toilet paper looking yes. stuff he interrupted a lot of things and it's like okay we get it he's mischievous he interrupts things <laughs> That's enough <true>, right? already. <laughs> yeah you know, but I, so I think people were just like, "Good grief! Enough with Stitch already!" And then the the attraction opened. Not only is the angst against that attraction, but it is in what we lost when yeah. that attraction opened, mm-hmm. and that was Alien Encounter. Well, so, see, I
0: never rode Alien, so for me, it really is just the angst of how horrible that attraction is, even without the Alien being factored in.
2: And which we have pointed out before, though the first two uh, the two pre shows of that attraction are actually good. Great. Like, I enjoy the pre-shows. I wish there was an opt-out after the (laughs) pre-shows that I could just skip on through because uh, that would be almost worth it just to watch those. But, um, yeah, the attraction. And another attraction Stitches in that is not in the United States is the Enchanted Tiki Room.
1: Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine the outcry? Listen, Mm -hmm.
2: I have seen video of this online, and I don't hate it. I don't oh, hate this Stitch uh, overlay of the Enchanted Room. It actually makes sense because, again, it's Polynesia, and uh, that's where Lilo and Stitch take place. And so, um, anyways, you should watch it on YouTube. You you won't hate it.
0: That's interesting. I, I do wonder if the reason that he, it's we have that attitude of, <gasps> oh, Stitch, is because the crea- I wonder if the creators of the movie... Had this problem where they were trying to find that right balance of being annoying, but also in the end being lovable, you know, and And they finally found that right balance. But then when they handed him over to the parks, the parks were like, oh, he's mischievous. Let's just have him tear up everything. And the creators of the movies are like, no,
2: he is the Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, he he is. is, He He is the Jar Jar Binks of the Magic Kingdom (laughs) or Disney Parks.
0: Which is a shame because I really do enjoy this movie. Even when I watch it now, I have, having seen it multiple times, I still enjoy it. I find Lilo to be just like, you just want to squeeze her and hug her because I find her so endearing in this movie. Um, but of course, it's Stitch who gets all the attention and in the parks.
2: That's we forget, you can, you can meet both Lilo and Stitch in several places around Walt mm-hmm. Disney World. You can meet them at Ohana for breakfast. You can meet them at one of the water parks. It's Typhoon Lagoon. Typhoon
0: Lagoon. Yeah, I met mm-hmm. them there.
2: And they were meeting at Animal Kingdom, but I don't know if they're still meeting there or not.
0: He
1: had his, like, one-month-long stage show in Tomorrowland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's right. His dance party, yeah. But I don't think that had to do with Stitch. I think that had to do with the fact that you put a stage
2: in the middle of the sun yeah. and then put yes. a 4 p.m. show. That's yeah. not going to work. You, nope. So, oh, he also meets randomly at Epcot as well. You can find him at Epcot.
0: Well, having seen Mickey and the Magical Map at Disneyland, I will say the crowds love him in mm. that show. When they do Hawaiian roller coaster ride and Stitch himself comes out and dances, like, that crowd goes nuts.
2: And, it, and it's amazing. It really is good. I, it's cute. Yeah, it's I fun. Like
0: it. Yeah, it's fun. He does a little butt shake for the crowd and gets a yeah. name Yeah.
2: Everybody loves some Stitch tushy.
0: <laughs> so I think Stitch is here to stay. Even if the attraction went away soon, I think the characters of Lilo and Stitch going to be around for a long time
2: yes and also spawned at least two i think three straight to dvd
0: sequels oh my gosh what S-
2: there's one it's leroy and stitch Uh uh-uh. and
0: who's leroy
2: there is lilo and stitch too as well stitch has a glitch that was like the subtitle i think yeah and then leroy which i think is like stitch's uncle that shows up or something oh my he's like gosh.
1: a altered version of stitch he's red and he's even more mischievous. <sighs> <laughs> Just when you thought it was safe,
2: yeah,
0: they made the that. <laughs> they made that film to do like, um, they made that film to do like damage control of what the uh, parks had done. They're like, wait, you ruined our beloved character. Let's make another film and make him not as mischievous as the main character. Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
2: And now you can meet Leroy at the park as well. <laughs>
0: can you? No. Oh, I was like, I've never seen him. <laughs>
2: No, all these like the Milo's Adventure and Leroy and Stitch and Stitch Has a Glitch, this is all the height of Michael Eisner's (laughs) straight-to-DVD, easy money, crap-in-a-box DVD uh, sequels. So Cinderella 3, all that crud.
0: Uh, Just awful. Um, Okay, well, staying in 2002, our other film released that year was Treasure Planet. I think like Atlantis completely disappeared not long after it was released.
2: But I will argue that I think Treasure Planet is way better than Atlantis as far as a story goes. Because I think it's just a fun story that just happened to be produced at the wrong time. Hmm. I think you you put this film in a different setting at a different time, released at a different time, in a different place, it would have been better. But I think it's just a victim of its time. Because it's really a fun fun story. And I just actually showed this film to a group of children who had never seen it before. And at first, they were really skeptical. Like, in the beginning, they're like, what's going on? Is that an alien? Is he a good guy? Is what You know how children are. Mm-hmm. But after about 10 minutes, they were locked in, and they enjoyed it.
0: Hmm. It was my favorite of the three I watched uh, this weekend, for sure. I think Treasure Island is a timeless story, and Treasure Planet has a lot of fun ways that they play with it. So I'll, I'll give that to them. Um, I don't blame the parks for not you know, jumping on this and trying to make something out of it.
2: At one time, you could um, you could meet and greet with Jim Hawkins. I remember that, but...
0: That would make sense, yeah. You know, Voiced this, by jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
2: Who, he, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Levitt had that ponytail thing, and, and Jim Hawkins has it in the film. Oh. So, there you go.
0: Well, that's... A useless bit of information, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for that, Jeremy.
1: <laughs>
2: just in case you're looking for a Halloween costume for next year, you can go as Jordan go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Jim Hawkins ponytail. <laughs>
0: wow, that's meta. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and move on, because, no, that's just not around. Uh, Brother Bear was released the next year, in 2003, and I think we'll see a little bit more of this as we talk about the parks.
2: Surprisingly... Very strong presence at Disneyland. It's true. Not so much in in Florida, but California, in DCA, in the, uh, what's that area called?
0: Uh, Grizzly Peak Airfield.
2: Airfield. You have this giant totem pole of the two bears. And then he, I think one or both of them meet and greet during the Storytellers Cafe uh, character dining.
0: At Grand Californian.
2: At Grand Californian, which is... Again, very random to me to have those two there, but people seem to like them. So,
1: well, it's very West Coast, Northwest. You know, it's where it's set, correct? Right, because
0: the I think maybe even Canada, because don't yeah, the yeah. moose have Canadian accents? Like, yeah, A, yeah. One whole, by
2: one, voice by Rick Moranis. I know that. That's
0: true. Yeah, which makes oh, yeah. me, which makes me question if they're so. Well, maybe they're not popular. But if they have such a presence there, like, why not put them in Wilderness Lodge or the Canada Pavilion or even Animal Kingdom? I mean, it's a
1: whole kingdom devoted to animals and they're bears. Something makes me think that there was something, I mean, just maybe, like, merchandise at the Canada Pavilion when this came out.
2: I, I've seen I some brother bears, some random brother bear, like, plushes and random brother bear, you know, merchandise. I never watched
1: this film either.
2: I like the film. I thought the music is really good in it. and uh, This is
1: another Phil Collins, <laughs> It is right? Phil Collins. Yeah.
0: He doesn't sing them all like he does in Tarzan, though. Oh. No, it's but many the, different artists.
2: Oh, also, the, the one song in there, the welcome song, Welcome to our family oh, yeah. time. That was um, the main theme for one of the parades out in Disneyland yeah. a couple years ago. It oh. was one
1: of the f- main themes for one of the parades of the Magic Kingdom, one of the many Many reincarnations of the one that was around since 2000. Okay. Well, Hmm. there you go. With the snow globes and all that stuff. The movie's
0: fine. It's nothing special. And with Disney, you know, they've done so many special films. And nothing about this grabbed me. But I will say it really comes to life once he becomes a bear and he meets Coda. Because those are two really good characters that have a good relationship. And so I feel like as meet and greet characters, I would meet them.
2: Did you see how the style of the film changed as well? Thank how goodness, Yeah, It's like a letterbox, kind of very dark, and, but once it becomes the bear, they lighten it up. And, mm-hmm. and they did that on purpose.
0: Yeah, and it makes it that much better too, I think. Yeah. So,
2: I don't know. Again, this seems to me, uh, if, you had, if you expanded Animal Kingdom to include a North American section, this would be a good fit to have something at least involve Brother Bear.
0: Well, I think the problem now is that we're so many years past these films that a lot of people have forgotten about them because we've gone so long without them being represented at all. And they're not
1: timeless.
0: And they're not at all. So I feel like now we're kind of... We can't make
1: them timeless. Yeah, that we've is, kind of crossed that point. If you're going to put a bear, you need. I
2: would rather have Humphrey the bear over any of the characters in Brother yeah. Bear. Yeah.
1: Now, see, he is at Wilderness Lodge. Or Yeah, yeah Wilderness Lodge. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Humphrey the Bear, he's the bear from, like, the Donald Duck and
1: Goofy cartoon. And his little forest ranger friend is there, too. They're yes. at Wilderness yeah. Lodge? Well, he's I mean, like, not like the characters, but there's, oh. like, totem poles and totem pole. different pictures over there near the gift shop are from those old shorts.
2: I just remember being in elementary school, and, you know, if you had a substitute or whatever, they would stick in those Disney cartoon tapes and yeah. seeing Humphrey the Bear. Mm-hmm. That's very nostalgic to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yep, there you yep, go. Yep.
0: Okay, now we move on to 2004, which is a film that has received a lot of hate on this show, from me included. And that's Home on the Range.
2: First mm-hmm. film of, these, of this chain that did not get any straight-to-DVD sequels. Brother Bear had Brother Bear 2. Home on the
1: Range, the sequels stop. And I mm. think that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame. Because this movie... Is it? Is <laughs> it? Had a, this movie had a lot of heart. And a lot of good music. And even, you know, Randy Quaid as the uh, the villainous yodeler guy was genius. And there were some really good segments that channeled some classic Disney psychedelic trips <laughs> <laughs> when he uh, when he does the yodeling and the cows are following. And oh, there's a lot to hate, obviously, but I don't think it's deserving of the hate that it got more so than Brother Bear. I mean, come on. No,
2: this film deserves everything it gets.
1: and Me, more. I think so, too.
2: I want to know who the casting director was who said, you know what people really want to hear? Roseanne Barr's voice. Has (laughs) a cow. Has a cow. It works perfectly. The casting is
0: the least of this film's problems. We need
2: more Roseanne Barr. Whoever said that needs to have a a pencil shoved up their nose because that's... Um, Okay,
1: I have like two things to add to this conversation.
2: And God bless... Dame One June did. She, is... uh, she just got wrapped up in this. Bless her soul. She didn't know what she was doing. She didn't. She thought she, she was the there. Money. She thought it was Spaceship Earth two. Yes. And um, she just got mixed up.
1: One is Little Patch of Heaven. Yes. And two is that Friends song that, for the life of me, will make me cry every time. <laughs> I don't even remember what it's called. You did. Come with moment. me and let's go wander. That wherever one. That, the trail may lead. Yeah, wherever the trail may really lead. Tell,
2: yeah. tell your little moment. You had a little moment with that song.
1: I don't actually remember. Oh, somebody, Weren't you when you were leaving college and you were moving back to North Carolina? Oh, uh, n- well, no, this was when I, this was the end of my freshman year at college. Okay. And, um, uh, but the, the story kind of dies and that the people that I thought would be my lifelong friends are not. <laughs> <laughs> and... So and the people like you leave. are. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, no, probably good. the only reference to this film you will find in Disney Park is they play some of the music every now and then in Frontierland. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the Mickey's
1: Not so scary Halloween party. that's it. Yeah. And that is enough. Because if, if there's a... Pet, again, if it there's is not the best movie. It just does not deserve the hate that it gets. Can you
2: imagine this as a dark ride and like Roseanne Barr is screaming at you the whole time? No, 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 no. Roseanne Barr was a terrible choice. Terrible choice.
0: I'll say it again. The casting is the least of this film's problems. I, you, you always mention the cast. I don't care about the cast. It's got to entertain me. And this movie did not entertain me for one second.
2: You can find this film for $5 at your local Walmart. I have seen it in numerous $5 <laughs> pins. Wow. Right beside Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> Secret of the Ooze, yeah. A it's film a-
0: that is exponentially better than Home on the Range. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, well, let's move on to 2005. Another movie I have not seen, and that is Chicken Little.
1: Oh, am really su- not missing anything.
2: I'm surprised you have not seen this film. I back. had
0: only seen six of the 11 films that came out this decade. I don't know what was going on in my life at that time. I mean, I do. I was in college <laughs> and such, but I just but you're, did you're not Scrub- care. You're
2: a fan of, the, of of that show, Scrubs.
0: I love Scrubs.
2: And this is voiced by the main guy in Scrubs, so I thought that would appeal. Again,
0: I do not care about voice actors. That is not going to make me go see a movie.
1: No, that's true. Hey, look, whoever worked on this film must have been like fired and then sent right to Disney Junior because everything original coming out of Disney Junior looks like Chicken Little. It
2: does have that Chicken Little artistic quality to it. I don't know
1: what they were trying to do with this film. It looks cheap. It feels like I'm playing like Roller Coaster Tycoon or something when I'm looking at it. Now,
0: wasn't this a short, wasn't this like a Disney short way back in the day or something?
1: Yeah, it's one of the
2: silly symphonies, but the, the story of Chicken Little is a classic
0: Fair yeah.
2: Tale. Oh,
1: right. This the sky is falling. Yeah. Yeah. This just happens to morph into some kind of sci-fi alien thing.
2: Yeah. That the sky ends up being aliens taking over, which it the happens aliens, to be
1: pieces of a UFO that are camouflaged to look like the sky.
2: Which the aliens <laughs> kind of have a look to them that is similar to the Treehouse of Horror aliens that appear in the Simpsons yeah. <laughs> episodes. So I'm surprised there was not a lawsuit because <laughs> yeah. they really are kind of similar, but. Do you remember um, American Idol was very big when this came out? And there was a
0: contestant. Anthony something?
2: I thought his name was Kevin.
0: Oh, yeah. Anthony was someone different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right.
2: they called him Chicken Little. And that's the only thing I remember about this film coming out. It was that the contestant on American Idol. And there was talks of this contestant voicing Chicken Little if they made Chicken Little 2, which, thank God, they did not. They did not, no. (laughs)
0: Yeah, this uh, other than a meet and greet when the movie first came out, like these other films had, uh, this movie.
2: It, the, the problem, uh. with Chicken, again, just none of the characters are likable. The no. dad is a jerk. Chicken Little is unlikable as a character. <laughs>
0: oh. His best friend. <laughs> well, that's friend, not what you want.
2: His best friend, the ugly duckling, whatever she is, she. Definitely gives off those Jar Jar Binks vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, The overweight pig is kind of endearing. Kind of. He's the only one that you kind of like because he has a little bit of humor. There's a a fish that doesn't say a word. He's kind of like a silent character that you hate because he never
1: speaks. You remember way more about this movie than I do.
2: (laughs) Well, I like to think of myself as a Disney film expert.
1: I think it's funny that they use this film for some reason. I remember there was like two years in a row that it was used in like Walmart and or Target as like their HDTV demonstration movie that was always playing. (laughs) And every time I would see I was like, why are they using that?
2: Well, this really too is besides Dinosaur, which Disney was still not accepting Dinosaur yet at this point, but this was their first venture into CGI. Mm. Really, you know, as far as, so I guess that had to do with it, that that. Disney said hey this is a CGI film people like CGI
0: and it's sharp and clear
2: but the problem is what Disney quickly learned it doesn't matter if it's CGI it doesn't matter if it's 2D if the story and the characters are not there people will not like it people get over the novelty very quickly
0: Um, well, if we can move on, 2006 was actually the first year of the decade that a film was not released from Disney, but in 2007, we got what I consider the first of an uptick in the in the quality of these films, and that is Meet the Robinsons. Mm, yes. Now, you guys have exp- have expressed your love for this film numerous times.
2: I mm-hmm. I will always speak to my love for Meet the Robinsons. I still believe it is the most underrated Disney film ever produced. Wow. I, I believe that's a heavy that, statement it is such a great film it is such a uh, wonderful story so much charm and so much heart in it that the fact that people do not appreciate it as much as they should and in fact the the, the, the fact that people say what is Meet the Robinsons I die a little bit every
0: time that's said. Mm. and then you whip out the blu-ray and you say here come have a seat by me that's right we're gonna watch this together um, I saw a picture of, now we were there the year this came out, but we did not meet these characters. I don't know if they were still there when we went or if they had already left, but I saw a picture of the Bowler Hat Man and then the two main characters, the two boys, I don't remember their names.
2: Wilbur and, oh, it just went
1: right out of my head. Johnny Rocket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lewis. Lewis, yeah. Should have known that. Um, anyway, and... I gotta say, they look really good. I don't know how they did these costumes exactly, but it, 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 it makes me think of Big Hero 6, where they just picked, like, a grown Asian man to put on a wig <laughs> and be hero, whereas these characters were not even face characters. They had, like, the whole mask, but they look legit. It's crazy good. I don't know how they did this.
2: Well, I think because the characters in the film, their heads are a little bit larger in the film than their body as well. So the proportion-wise, they look exactly as they do in real life. That would and make sense, they do yeah. in the film, so.
0: But, I mean, these characters aren't... You can't meet them anywhere anymore, which is a shame because at least Bowler Hat Man during the Halloween time would be a, a great addition to the parks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He came out for that one villain's party they had... Yeah. Um, the, s- the special event thing they did that tanked. No, I don't think it was that one. Oh.
2: it was a different one.
1: It was like a weekend thing they did back, and they had the big uh, they had the big stage show with all the villains that came out, and it was like the one from Mulan was there, and maybe oh. it was that same thing that was terrible. But mm. they loved that he was there. The Bullerhead yeah, guy came
0: out. That's a big deal. I didn't even know that. But yeah. nowadays, I mean, where can you find this film? I don't know.
1: And the only film let me tell you, this film really only won me because of the Walt Disney quote at the end. Spoiler, mm-hmm. spoiler, which I just said it, so you're kind of stuck with <laughs> me. But um,
2: what a great yeah. song, though! What a great Rob Thomas song at the end as well. Our mm-hmm. lives are made in these small hours. Mm-hmm.
0: These well, hours. that's what I say about this film is is that it's it's pretty enjoyable, but the payoff is at the end, and I, I personally don't know if it's done, it's enough to. Make up for the the first half, but overall, it's definitely worth a watch, especially compared to the other ones we've talked about on this show.
2: The only film that features Space Mountain,
0: besides yep. Tomorrowland,
2: the only Disney animated <laughs> film that features <laughs> Space Mountain. That's true. That's true.
0: It's a fun little Easter egg in there. Mm-hmm. Is that what's called hidden egg? Yeah. Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. Easter egg. Yeah. All right, 2008. This is a film Matt and I saw in the theater together. I don't know if you remember that, but it is Bolt.
1: And I love this movie because it's voice acted by Miley Cyrus. Nope. No. And John Travolta. That's what I meant.
2: Also known as Buzz Lightyear with Fur because the storylines are the same delusional, doesn't know what he actually is, blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you don't like this movie?
2: You know, it's just not my favorite. Yeah. I, I don't find the cat to be as charming as I think you're supposed to find the cat. I don't know, maybe it's the accent. And I don't find the hamster to be as funny as a lot of people found the hamster to be. So those two supporting actors, which I feel like really are supposed to carry a lot of the film, don't really do it for me.
0: I haven't seen it since the theater, so I honestly don't remember any of this film except for the fact that I walked away saying, that's that fine, that's good.
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. That's exactly right. It was fine. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> can uh, you can
2: think of a better way to spend a couple hours, but you could also think of a worse way. Yeah. So there you go.
1: Chicken Little.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Again, Miley Cyrus at the height of her Hannah Montana popularity, John Travolta at the height of his Scientology. So what could go wrong? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so we've done Home on the Range, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt. That's four movies in a row that have absolutely zero presence in the parks today. But then we get to 2009, which in my opinion is the release of by far the best film of this decade. And that is The Princess and the Frog.
1: Yes, this is the rebirth.
2: Yeah, yeah, you kind of, this is the start of, again, like Matt said, a rebirth here, a recharge in Disney animation. But
1: I would put this one against the two that gained the most headlines, which we'll talk about in the next decade. But uh, Princess and the Frog is... I watched it twice in the theater just because it was it was so people were giddy to have a two d animated film after you know four in a row of tanked well not tanked, but you know not as good CG films. Mm-hmm. and I think people and this just felt like you were returning to a Disney style
2: exactly. It was the two d. It was the fairy tale aspect of it which had been missing. It was you're getting some some good music in there.
0: Randy Newman.
2: Yeah, so I think people liked it. Plus we had just elected a black president. Now we have our first black princess. <laughs> yes.
0: That's why. Yeah.
2: I think I think that, that I mean that was definitely a factor in it.
0: Well, speaking about the parks, the black princess thing is absolutely necessary. Like I love seeing little black girls dressed up in their dresses meeting Tiana. It is it is such a cool thing to experience and I love that we we have one now in the parks. I think it's uh, absolutely necessary that we. Have
1: she's one. like the she's like the Al Sharpton of the Disney Princess community. <gasps> yes! I don't think that's a compliment. <laughs> 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 no, all love for Princess and the Frog. I, uh, John Goodman's in this one. John uh, Goodman I think that, it. Yep. Um, Facilitate. Like
0: this is, is a movie where both the princess and the villain have stuck around and have had such a huge presence in the parks, which is cool.
1: Yeah. And the songs—I don't think the songs have had much of a presence, but uh... you know, th- this movie, for some reason, as, as
0: like, let's see, it shows up at Festival of Fantasy, mm-hmm. and now you can meet Tiana and Naveen almost all the times at somewhere. Like sometimes it seems like Liberty Square. It's yeah. kind of near between yeah, yeah. them. Um, and Facilier does the villain show during Halloween, and he comes out sometimes. Um, but I will say. This film has so much of a bigger presence at Disneyland, and I think part of the reason is because they have New Orleans Square over there, mm-hmm. and so like there's, there's such a New Orleans aspect of that park that it just makes sense to have them. The, uh... Well, I was going to say when the Mark Twain comes around, they play you said they don't really play the song, but they play down in New Orleans, like pumping oh, out cool. piping out of those speakers on the Mark Twain. you can hear all around New Orleans Square. Mm -hmm. I
2: remember when this film first came out as well, they're in the Magic Kingdom. They had a special Tiana show on... The Rivers of America oh, on the, river the, boat the Jubilee. Riverboat Jubilee. Yeah. Showboat Jubilee. And yeah. I loved it. I watched it several times. It was just so much fun. Because it would go by and then it would stop. And they'd all be on there you know, with the music and dancing. And you could do your little mm. jig there yourself. Because that music just makes you want to dance. Oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. It, it
0: has its whole section in Mickey and the Magical Map. She pops out in between those two uh-huh. uh, sections. And she gets yeah. her little groove on and they sing that.
2: I, just, I feel it in that moment. I feel mm. it.
0: Yeah. And even sensational. She has her whole... It's a whole Princess and the Frog section. Yeah. So, like I said, Disneyland really have take. They've taken to this movie. Um, Now, okay. Is it... I assume it's Port Orleans that has the Princess and the Frog rooms, right? Like, the back... I think I've seen headboards. They
1: have the fairy tale rooms, but they're, like, just princess-themed. I think Tiana, obviously, has a central presence. But the thing I was in on was the uh, the reno- partially renovated rooms in the Alligator Bayou section of Port Orleans where they have um, most of the wall art in each room is either concept art or paintings of the Blue Bayou restaurant at Disneyland or is concept art or drawings from Princess and the Frog. And the pull down bed that comes out of the wall for the children the backdrop is Louie. Um, Louie. Or, you know, any number of the characters, I think. Ray.
0: Okay, because I thought I had seen... Yeah, the headboard for the beds is a princess and the frog scene. They're on the water with Ray glowing in the background. That's what it looks like to me, at least, in this picture.
2: And what a touching moment in a film, animated or not, when Ray... Spoiler, coming up. Spoiler, if you haven't seen it. When Ray passes away... (laughs) <laughs> and he ends up there in the sky with his Evangeline. I mm-hmm. mean, come on. That's tender. That is tender.
0: It's a good movie. One of my favorites for sure. And
2: again, now we have ended on a high note because the next decade that we'll talk about is uh, has some, some shining moments. Better than Brother Bear and Home on the Range at least.
0: And I would argue that it started with The Princess and the Frog. I think you guys might argue that it started with Meet the Robinsons.
1: This was The Little Mermaid of the late 80s. Totally, yeah. It yeah. is yeah. totally different than that. No, I, I won't argue that.
0: Okay, okay. It's exactly 20 years after The Little Mermaid, and it ushers in such a great decade of films so far, and I'm only excited to see what comes next. I think Zootopia looks like a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, I, I was as I was thinking about this decade and thinking about, okay, they released so many movies, but they're really just not that memorable, I I couldn't help but think of Pixar and wondering if, like, after they purchase pixar is it possible that they were just focused on the marketing for those films i mean i know they're completely separate divisions but i I just don't know why pixar was just knocking it out of the park while disney was just struggling
2: i think i think especially as you see with the cgi transition of disney animation i think disney just they were relying heavily on the fact that people didn't want to see 2d animated films anymore and so for them, they were more concerned about the
1: technology
2: than the yeah. storytelling.
1: But after Princess and the Frog, without getting into next time, after Princess and the Frog, they hit a magic formula. Hey, we can do the same feel as a 2D classic Disney animated feature using computer-generated animation. And, and that's I, what we see. That They hit the magic formula there with uh, that the game. they got back to their bread and butter of
2: princess films films of the underdog kind of uh overcoming obstacles which even in non-princess films you kind of have that that same kind of feel i'm thinking of like a wreck it ralph where even though it's not a princess film in a sense he goes through the same struggles as a cinderella does you know as Mm. a beat coming from a low place to a high place so you know they got away from this sort of weird storytelling like chicken little that just doesn't make sense but, but how about, even though we're not mentioning these films and talking about these films, I want to get your all's just uh, reaction to some of the filler films that came out in 2000s as well from other aspects of the Disney company. Things like, lest we forget, um, Recess Schools Out came out during this time. Love. Return to Neverland came out during this time.
0: Wait, what's Never that? Start. Oh, is that a, just a Peter Pan sequel? That's when
2: yeah. it's Wendy's daughter. And Peter comes for her.
1: Huh. Uh, Piglet's. He just big... needs to leave that family alone. <laughs> <laughs> haven't, haven't they been through enough? <laughs> haven't, why don't they just close their window? That would solve yes. a lot of things. <laughs> or hire a priest or something to come and exercise the place. <laughs> um, Piglet's big movie.
0: Mm, so big, uh, I did not see it.
2: Followed by Pooh's Humphalump movie. Heffalump? Heffalump.
1: Huffle-lump.
0: Hump along. Wait, uh, wasn't there a Tigger movie too?
1: The Tigger movie yeah, was out during beginning. this time. Uh, hey, the Tigger mo- The Digger. <laughs> Easy. The, the Tigger movie. The Tigger movie was pretty touching. Yeah. Aspects of it. I agree
2: with that. And it has a good song by the show. Uh,
1: he's trying to find his family and they all put on the Tigger costumes and they say, we are your family. That's Aww, touching. That's sweet.
2: Bambi 2 came out during Shut this-
1: up. Yep, it did. Yes, What's it did. What's the plot? Um, <laughs> They're trying to find his mother's remains. <laughs> the mother is
2: back from the dead. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, this film takes place in the middle of Disney's original Bambi, with the great prince of the force dealing with the now motherless Bambi. So it's, it's uh takes place in the middle of Bambi. It's a little mm-hmm. subplot.
0: Just uh, as uplifting as the first one, I'm sure. A little Rosencrantz
2: for That's you. right. During this time as well, we had the first Tinkerbell movie come Ugh. out, which has spawned numerous, numerous.
0: <laughs> I can't believe how popular those fairies are.
2: Yes, Ugh. and last but not least, we had A Christmas Carol with that frightening Jim Carrey uh, yeah. face that came out during this time as well. So overall, just not a good time for the company in general. <laughs> You're right. really, except for Pixar, nothing was really sparking.
0: <laughs> and you can't say they didn't try to release 11 movies from their head studio plus all those ones you just mentioned. Like, they were trying their hardest. It just... Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't working for him. Yes, they were. Mm. All right. Well, I think that does it for another episode. Before we go, I do want to remind you of our 50th episode sweepstakes. I know we're on episode 58 now, but you have two more weeks to enter, and you need to send an email to comments at madchatters.net and in the the subject, say something about the 60th sweepstakes. And we're going to pick one winner who will receive this Disneyland 60th diamond coffee mug, and we're going to send that out. Two more weeks. Get those in. But other than that, you can always follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Mad Chatters, and Facebook. You can always send your comments and feedback to comments at madchatters.net, and you will find us here next week, same time, same place. See you then.
2: Take a little time to find
1: the magic in every day. Bye-bye now.